Hello everyone and welcome to episode 9 of Creases and Corners. I am here once again with at the Quest for Legends. You can follow him on IG and I believe he's also going to be starting a YouTube channel soon. I don't know if he has it up and running but I'm going to keep you updated on that when he does have it up and running. I will definitely let you know unless he already has it up and running and in which case he'll be more than happy to fill you in on the details. Anywho, so today's topic is video games. And we're going to be talking about all the 8 bits and bytes of everything, including everything up to and including current day consoles of whatever knowledge I have running around inside my little head over here. Anyway, so, describe your first experience of playing a video game and your first console when you got it and exactly what your reaction was, how excited you were, etc. Uh, talk about dating myself. Um... I was living in Connecticut. It was the late 70s. And my dad, who was an electronics junkie, uh, had was then, went to school for electronics, like a tech school thing, and he still is, and has made his career out of that. Um, he bought, and I meant to do research before we started uh, recording, and I apologize. So if my memory's fuzzy, and if there's some like hardcore vintage game console aficionados and histories out there that are going to call that not true, then I apologize. But it was a three-in-one system that was just basically one big piece of plastic. It was a brick, and it had two knobs, one on either corner, the front and uh, front left and right corners. And it was a three-in-one game that played tennis, pong, and squash, which is basically the same game. But it was just basically like you played Pong on the old arcade machines. It was like the, the like, what am I kind of trying to come up with? The prototype. So it was one of the first systems that came out. And it was one of those where you had to hook it up to the antenna, the, the little screw downs. You hooked it up to the antenna co uh, connections on the back of the UHF and VHF in the back, tighten them down and put it onto channel 3 or channel 4 and switched it on. And I played that thing so, so much. I couldn't fathom, because I was, I was 8, maybe, when that came out, and I didn't even understand the technology. It was, it was wizardry as far as I was concerned, um, to be able to play something and actually see you, being able to control something that's on a screen with something that's in front of you. Um, that was that was a, a probably a, a, a big changer as far as just my my interests and my lifelong interest in games. It's been on and off, but it's always been there. But yeah, it started, and I want to say it was an Odyssey system. Was what it was called? I think that's what it was. It was called Odyssey. And now, did you have that system where you had to put that piece of plastic over top of the TV, with uh, with each one of them being different? And it only fit a certain size model. I think it was a 19-inch screen. You know which one I'm talking about? It was one of those plastic I've overlays. Never, I've never heard of that before. I wish I had. That sounds like it would have been really trippy and interesting. No, I did not know that that was a thing. That was just a simple overlay on top of the TV, and you. It was the it was the same thing for every single game. It was just a one little dot. On or, or two dots or whatever game you were playing. If you're playing hockey, there was two dots. And you had to try to block the goal. Anyway. But the it was it was a stupid. I think it was the Magnavox. 
I think that's what it was called. Okay. So basically, what what the overlay did is it gave you like a playing field for your game. So it could have been hockey, or it could have been soccer, and it could have been whatever. But it was always the same game you were playing. Pretty much. It wasn't really. Huh. It wasn't really a game so much. It was okay. Just follow the dot on the screen. <laughs> okay. Um, wow. No, I do. I don't remember. I know that. I remember Magnum Box being an early player and all of that. But no, I've never. I've never seen that before. I'm gonna have to go check that out. Okay. Um. Now the system that you had was that before or after the Atari came out? Uh, it was before. Uh, that was the first system that we had. The second system was an Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Uh, that came with combat, and then of course we got Space Invaders, and we went we went down the rabbit hole from there. And I had tons of cartridges for that back in the day, tons of cartridges for that. Did you happen to have any of the rare carts along the way, or were they all just the commonary ones? Um, I don't. Th- I, as far as my memory serves, I don't think I had anything that was really um, like would have been sought after like now. That would have been like a, a chased uh, game. I don't think so. I think I stuck with all the the standard stuff. It was a I don't know if it's actually sought after, but it was a game that came with a paddle controller. I think it was Star Raiders or something like that, where you actually or there was a keypad you played with, and there had like multiple inputs, not just the joystick. You used other controllers. I don't remember. It's I, again. I should have done my research before I before I got out of here. But um, no, I don't recall having anything having any of the rare stuff. It was all kind of your your standard, the hot sellers, with the exception of ET. I do remember having ET and uh, <laughs> saying, "What? What is this? What? What the hell is this?" Oh, they it was it was awful. Oh, they they rushed that game to meet the deadline of the movie. Apparently, it was only. Oh yeah, yeah, it wasn't done. There, there, and it was the, the most bare bones. You didn't do anything. You didn't freaking do anything. You walked around. You picked up dots, and you then went up and down. Yay! That was awful, awful game. I think I actually remember playing that at my uh, one of my brother's friends' houses. Peter had the Atari system, and he was playing ET. And I was looking at this and thinking, "What? What is this? This is the worst thing I've ever yeah. played." It's it's by all standards one of the most awfulest things. I understand why they were buried. Apparently, those carts that are buried in the that were buried in the desert, those are the ones that are sought after. Not so much the carts that weren't. I don't understand the mentality behind that, but what do I know? Nah, well, you know what? I don't I don't collect games. That's not a thing that I'm into. I play them, but I don't collect them per se. Um, so, but you know what? As a comic book collector. I have learned everything is collectible to the right person. Yes. So go for it. Okay. Now, now, now moving on a generation, did you play anything on the Nintendo? Well, like, we skipped, we skipped one. Um, because I had a 2600. I don't think I ever had a 5200. Oh, that wasn't a good system. or whatever it was. There were, there was those, but then I went to ColecoVision. That was 1983, and I had right? A ColecoVision. Was that 83? It had to. It, it had to have been. It had no, early 80s. Um, but I had that had uh, I think Cuber and Popeye and um, wasn't there a Donkey Kong for that? 
I don't remember. There might have been a Donkey Kong Jr., but I don't remember. I think it's something. Yeah, I know that. I know that there was a, there. Were, I know that there were. There, I had a decent number of games for like ColecoVision, but as much as I liked the graphics, as I thought that they were improved over this one, the twenty six hundred. I mean, there was already two Ataris after that, but the controller for the ColecoVision was a design disaster. <laughs> it was awful. Do you remember it? That was the one that had the multiple inputs, right, with the layout on the numbers. It, it had a yeah, it had a keypad, and at the top of that little brick with all the numbers on it, there was a knob, and that was your directional knob. Like it was, it was supposed to be like a Pac-Man joystick. Oh, nothing kept breaking. Well, not only that, but it was all super hard plastic, and the peg that came up out of the hand, the, the handhold part, was really short. So if you're trying to hold it, you got your fingers underneath that, and you went to crank it to the left or the right, and your fingers underneath there, you freaking bruise your your, your fingers. And it was an awful design, absolutely terrible design. And yes, they did break. They because uh, all you did is push real hard and snap, and, and you were done. So, but that yeah, ColecoVision was next, and then after that, I had the original Nintendo, the eight bit. That's that's where I got into Nintendo at that point. Uh, my my first system was the Nintendo. And yes, I'm part of that generation that had to put the channel to channel three to play the video games. Not everybody understands that yep. now, but I was part of that group. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That was that was. Oh, I, I gotta go change to four. You gotta get up because you didn't have a remote click. So yeah, I totally totally did that. Um, Nintendo obviously was was a, a big a big jump as far as technology and the quality and the, you know you just music everything um i the amount of time i played mario i don't even know how much time i put into mario just so much so so much um but yeah that was the first system that i guess if you were to look back now and i still have a few of the cartridges um my grandfather um when he passed, my mom cleared out his garage and said, hey, I found a bunch of his old Nintendo games. Do you want them? They, there was no console, but there were the actual cartridges. So I was like, yeah, sure. So I started looking some of them up, and I was like, wow, okay. He had Nintendo cartridges, and he had um, Sega Genesis. And I actually ended up, he did, she did find his Sega Genesis. So I have that up in my, actually I can see it right from here. It's up in my bedroom closet, still in the box. Um Plus a whole bunch of, uh, of Sega, well, not a whole bunch, but a handful of Sega games. Now, if you had to pick, which one would you say you're a little more biased towards in terms of Super Nintendo versus Sega for that particular time frame? Well, I didn't have a Super Nintendo, and I never had an N64. So, so I guess if you're going for that time frame, I was Team Sega. Um, I, I liked the Sega games better. Um, there were some of them that were brutally difficult, but I mean, they were on, on most consoles back then. It was just really unforgiving. But, uh, but yeah, I, I liked the Sega and I never went to the Super Nintendo or the, uh, or the, uh, N64, which I regret because the N64 has some great stuff on it. I did have a, uh, Dreamcube. Cast. No, no, GameCube. Not, yeah, that's what I meant. GameCube, <laughs> Nintendo GameCube. I did have that. No, um, my 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 thing was I didn't actually have 
anything outside of a Nintendo for the longest period of time. And then the next system I bought after that was a PlayStation 2. Oh, you had a big jump in technology. Well, yeah. no, it's not that I, I, I didn't miss out on any of those, because my cousins always had the next system. So the oh, Super okay. Nintendo, the Sega Genesis, the Atari, or the PlayStation, PlayStation 2. I never really missed out on any of that, because I'd always just go to their house and play it. Sure. So I never really had to buy any of those. So it saved me a whole bunch of money, and you know, it was yeah, just easier absolutely. that way. Yeah, absolutely. That's hundreds and hundreds of bucks. Absolutely, yeah. I um, It was a, a situation where... Um, Christmas time, and I know we're probably going to talk about this in a little bit, but Christmas time was the time when, oh, here's the new system, here's the new system, here's the new system. So I was constantly upgrading over the holidays. And uh, I think the GameCube, I think I might have actually bought the GameCube myself, um, then PS1, and I kind of stuck with the PS1 for a while, uh, and then Xbox and kind of went from there. Um, as, as, I, as I said, though, uh, you were you were mentioning about the waiting for holidays. I always had to wait for birthdays, Easter, Christmas, anything to get a game because, as anybody would know, during that particular time in your life, you're strapped for cash, and so you have to figure out, okay, what do I really want from this, and can I ask for it and get whatever it is that I'm asking for? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I know. Even if I just got one. Because back, I don't remember what the retail was for Atari cartridges for 2600 back, what the original MSRP was. But just getting one of those for Christmas was like a huge deal. Um, And now with the price point of games today, still getting one game is still a huge deal. Um, But yeah, I typically didn't get games through the course of the year that I can recall. Almost always it was a birthday thing or a Christmas thing. Um, or maybe like you got good grades, you know, maybe we'll get you something for that, that kind of thing. But yeah, it was, it was not just, I wasn't working. I, I didn't work until actually after I graduated high school. So I didn't have a lot of cash. So it was not me just going to the store and just buying up stuff. If I was going to buy anything, if I had money, it was gone. Now, if you were to, at the end of the cycle, say you were had to PlayStation or whatever. Did you ever at any point take advantage of, okay, everything's 99 cents. Go out and buy a bunch of stuff that I didn't get a chance to buy because it was full price. Uh, there were games. And, and actually as, as I got older, I started to get cheaper. So I wasn't one of those people that more, you know, that would typically go wait in line at a GameStop and go get the game on release night. Um, I would wait. I would wait for it to, at the very least, go on sale. But at the end of a console's life, as you're saying, um, yeah, I would go. It's like, oh, let's go see what I can get cheap. And I'd pick them up at flea markets, you know, swap meets, that kind of thing. And uh, and then, oh, you know what? I never did get a chance to try that, so let's let's try it out. And sometimes there were surprises, and, but most of the time it was like, wow, I'm already... I'm already prepared or I'm already playing this new system. So I feel like I'm going backwards. So I'm just going to keep pushing forwards. <laughs> Sometimes you can find treasure amongst the trash. It just depends on where you look. Oh uh, yeah. Just like anything else that, that we are, you know, hunt for and collect is every once in a while. It's like, Oh wow. This is pretty. I got pretty lucky because this is actually really fun and really cool. So yeah, you just got to keep looking, keep your head on a swivel. I don't know if you've heard... Have you heard of that uh, Retron 5? 
<laughs> it's a system where you can play a Super Nintendo, a Sega, a regular Nintendo, a Famicom, and you can also buy an attachment to play the Mega Drive games all in one. And then you can, and then and then after that, you just plug it. So you just plug it into an HDMI port. You plug it into your TV, and it allows you to play all those games, but it doesn't play it off the card. It basically dumps the ROM into the system, and then it plays it off of that. It's still really good, though. Wow. Okay. That's actually pretty cool for, for people that like retro. Um, and the fact that it's HDMI, that's actually super handy, because like, I had to buy a conversion thing for my Genesis, figure out how to plug it in with TV and all that. So, no, that's cool that you could actually do that like that and, and and it's a big thing retro gaming and having the I, I don't i don't keep up with that so much so my terminology is is real real thin but i know that there are like websites you can go to where you can play uh you know games that people upload that they'll just kind of make it themselves port it over so you can play it on your on, you know in a, in a browser as opposed to having to hook a, a console up to your TV. So I think it's cool that all those those games still get loved. There's some great games and classic games out there. It's funny, funny you should say that. Everything seems to be going digital nowadays. I'm wondering what your take on physical versus digital media is in terms of where you think everything is going and how much time do you think is going to be before the physical media says, okay, we can't keep up with the digital course anymore. You're talking about as far as like just like downloading a game and just dumping it onto your hard drive. Instead of going to the store and buying it, you just buy it off of the eShop. Got you. Um, I mean, it is. Well, now, if I understand how things work, a lot of times the disc that we buy is nothing more than a key. So as long as you put that in there, it allows you, and, and you actually download content from their servers anyway so i i think especially now that like you have the playstation store you can go and download stuff and every month they give away free games as long as you've got the storage space um i don't i see i see that they could go pure digital i don't really know and honestly i don't really know what the benefit is unless there are people that are playing games that just aren't doing it online I guess there's still, I don't know what the percentage would be, probably not high, of people who have a PlayStation 4, let's say, or an Xbox One, but they don't have online accounts. They're only playing stuff at home, and they don't do any downloaded updates. They don't play online. They don't use a live account or anything like that. I got, I don't, I, maybe they just figured they're going to miss the boat, and that's why they still offer physical copies. But I would imagine that is going to be something that is going to end up going purely digital. As far as when that's going to happen, I don't know. But I have a feeling that it's it's going to. No, um, another thing you brought up, uh, I have the current systems, but I prefer to buy a digital copy only because I enjoy going to the store and talking to the person and you know, forming a little bit of camaraderie between me and whoever the salesperson is, at least to develop you know, even if somewhat of a passing friendship in some way, as opposed to just sitting oh. here... You know, supposed to just sitting there on the couch and say, "Okay, click done." But no, no, I, I I totally get that, and it's it's the same thing with um, it's you know it's human interaction. You know, even even the the most introverted among us still need a little bit of human interaction every great once in a while, and maybe it's at a store. 
you know, maybe who knows, or maybe it's at the flea market, you know, and you're like, I'm going to buy this used game, but at least you're buying it from a person as opposed to, like you said, click, done, put in your credit card and you're out. Um, yeah, I, I personally am not looking for that connection so much when I go shop for a game because I usually go to a bigger store. I'll go to like Target and buy my game or I'll buy it off of Amazon. So I'm not looking for my interaction there. But when I shop for my comic books, depending on my mood, I like to go hang out in a shop and talk comics. So that's where my social interaction piece will come in with my hobby. Not so much on the games, but I mean, look at stores that still do gaming events. They have, you know, 20 TVs set up and 20 consoles set up and, and they're having land parties. They're all, they're all they're, whatever it is that they're doing. Those things still exist. So the camaraderie piece is absolutely still there, more than just having to talk to the snotty 12-year-olds when you play Call of Duty. <laughs> I don't play Call of Duty because I avoid the snotty 12-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, you're a smart man because it's uh, I stopped playing online because of that. I was like, you know what? I had a great time when I was playing Halo online. Holy cow, we had a clan. We were we always got together on, on the weekends. We had a good time. Became friends outside the game. Um, but eventually, I just like, I can't, I can't. This environment is too much for me. It's too much. It's not fun. So I, I, I don't play online unless it's somebody I know. Okay. Um, no, so uh, let, 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 I'm just going to back up a little bit here. What do you think about the introduction of online gaming as opposed to just everybody having to actually come to the house and sit down and play with your friends? What do you, what do you think in terms of, okay, do you think it's better to have the friends there or better to play with them online? What would you, what do you prefer? Um, honestly, and only from my recent experience, I think has kind of informed my, my decision on this. I would rather play online. And the only reason why is that depending on the game that you're playing, if you have to deal with a split-screen situation, if it's a game like Super Smash Brothers, where everybody's on the same screen and you're just running around, that's fine. But if it's a game like Borderlands 3, where you have a split-screen, um, that kid tends to be really difficult for me to navigate. Um and I've had this problem recently where I'm not playing as much because now that my girlfriend and I are living together, we have to play split screen. When she was living out of state, we would play and we'd have our own TVs to ourselves. So I think that's the biggest drawback. But I also remember going to uh, going over to a family's house and playing uh, rock band and guitar hero and having a whole bunch of people over and everybody switching up on the instruments and everybody playing. And that was a party. We had a blast doing that. So there is something to be said for if it's the right kind of game, I think that person is really the way to do it. But online is just... And also, the advent of that online gaming has given us games that wouldn't have been made otherwise, that are much bigger, that you can have much larger larger teams, and the, the massive multiplayer online, blah, blah, blah. Um, so... I think that technology has allowed us to have much bigger games with bigger scope, and I think it actually makes for a, a more varied, a more yeah, more varied experience. Okay, now now going back to the whole twelve-year-old being snotty, 
I really think that, do you think they should put an age restriction on those games or do you think it's because, okay, the grandmother or the mother or the sister or whoever is old enough to buy the game, buys the kid that game and then you just go ahead and play it anyway and nobody can really stop them. What's your take on all that? You can't, you can't enforce that. If you can't, you can't prove anyone's age just by listening to them, you know, in your headset. You, you have parents that are my parents, my mom took me to R-rated movies way before I should have been seeing R-rated movies. It's a parent's call. This is what I'm going to let my kid do, so it's cool. Um, so, as far as games are concerned, I don't think you can stop it. I don't. I think that that genie is out of the bottle. I think you're going to have kids that are playing, you know, games that maybe they shouldn't be playing. I don't have kids, and those aren't my kids. So, I, you know, I, it's at that point, it's it's not my call. It just because the, the emotional maturity is not there, it just makes it difficult for somebody who's actually trying to have a good time and play a game and maybe not be super competitive and maybe not be so on high alert to have to deal with knuckleheads. Sometimes I just want to play a game for fun. Sometimes I just want to shoot people with an assault rifle for fun. Yeah, I can understand that. You don't want to have to be bombarded by, oh, my father owns the internet. Oh, good. Can you tell him to fix it for me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. And no, it's funny you were saying about buying the older games. I've bought some really old and some hard to find titles in the last little bit. I have uh, on the Nintendo a Princess Tomato in the Salad Kingdom. That's not an easy title Never to come by. It's an it's Never a heard of it it's sort of an RPG game where you have to collect all of the inhabitants of the salad kingdom including the princess who happens to be a tomato and you have to well, get yeah. her and you have to get her and everybody together to overthrow the person who's causing all this trouble in their town that's that sounds like a game that would not have been popular at the time it would end up being collectible because no one bought it yeah that's just, exactly what yeah, so I can understand like hey that's a hard to game yeah, I'm not surprised because there probably weren't a lot of games printed and manufactured, and yeah, no one, no one bought it. It's like what was the? There was a there's a game on the on the Nintendo. Was it Adventure Island? Something Island, and they made two sequels. The first one is still kind of hard to find, but the third one is supposed to be like one of the Holy Grail games for for Nintendo. It's something island. I can't. I don't remember if it's Adventure Island or something else. I have. I but actually I, actually have the entire book of Nintendo A to Z from uh, Pat Contry, the uh, NES punk. I don't know if you know who that is. No. No. He wrote a he wrote a book about everything A to Z Nintendo, including all the test carts and the Holy Grail carts, including the Nintendo Power Championship 1990 gold cart. Yeah, that's that stuff that I I never saw, never had, and uh, you know that's one of those things that you just hope that you're gonna go to somebody's yard sale one day, and their kid moved out years ago, and they're cleaning out a closet or they're cleaning out their attic, and they have this box of stuff, and you walk up and they say, yeah, you know what, twenty bucks for all this stuff, and then you just go to town. <laughs> That's, that, you, just, you just hope that that'll happen. 
Yeah, well, doesn't always work out in your favor, but you never know. You just got as as, as I said, you gotta sort out the trash from the, tra- the trash and the treasure. And yeah. anywho, now you said you have a current. Now, do you have a switch? No, I do not. I the last system I bought was a uh, was a PS4. That's the last thing that I bought. I haven't had anything new since then. Um, I and, and Nintendo has never been like my bread and butter. When PlayStation came out, when Sony hit, that's where all my attentions really went, even though um, I did uh, get Xboxes. But no, I do not have a Switch, but everyone's talking about Animal Crossing. Everyone is doing... It's, I get it. It's like... Oh, God. Right a, a store in Toronto who wasn't supposed to do this, but they were blasted out for opening their store and doing the launch for Animal Crossing, this was last week, they were blasted out for doing it because, oh, you're supposed to social distance yourself. You're supposed to stay away from everybody. You're not supposed to have crowds that are larger than so many people. And, oh, they, they got they got wrecked ever high calls for it. I would imagine that's, you know, I, I want to say it's irresponsible, but part of me says, okay, that you know what you're getting yourself into, but it goes back to, you know, kind of what we were saying off air about, about the whole thing. It's like, be responsible for yourself, but think about others because you're going that crowd. Who knows? But um, that just to like the game is more important. I gotta have this game because now people people who got the game like responsibly, if you want to you know, look at it that way, ordered it online or did a pre order, whatever. Um, now people are getting connected over that you know throughout the world to play that game in a time where it's probably pretty important to try to stay connected with people in a positive light. So I think it actually hit at a really good time because it's got, I mean, it's all over the place. I did not get that game. I probably should have at least looked into it, (laughs) but I didn't know how bad this was going to end up being. And I wanted to try it out because I have Animal Crossing on my my Nintendo 3DS because I, I have the handheld. At, at this point, and these are all the systems that I have, and I am not exaggerating at any of what I'm about to tell you. I have a regular Nintendo. I have a Nintendo 3DS. I have a Retron 5, a PlayStation 3, an Xbox One. I have a Nintendo Switch. I had a Nintendo GameCube. But I got rid of it. I had a PlayStation 2. I got rid of it. And I also have my computer and my phone. It's, it's easy to have, you know, that collection build up, especially if you are into older games, which I, you know, I know you are from your posts on Instagram. But um, it's easy, it, and, and it's kind of hard to let some of that stuff go because some of it you can get in a in a, a, a an updated release. Like you could buy the Justin Atari toy stick, you could plug that into your TV, and it's got 200 games loaded on it, you know, that kind of thing. But... Um, I I have currently actually I think all I have is my Xbox, my 360, my PS3, my PS4. I don't really play games on my computer. I play on my phone definitely. Um, but that's basically yeah, that's all I've got in the house now. When PS5 hits, I'll be watching. And that's actually been pushed back a year. Five, 
Yeah, I know. I know. But everything's been pushed but, back, so. Yeah, yeah. Everything is on hold right now. I totally get it. Um, I'm not going anywhere, hopefully. So, uh, you know, when it when it finally hits, you know, I'll probably buy one of the more inexpensive packages or wait till a Black Friday deal on Amazon and scoop one up for a discount and get a couple free games with it and go from there. But I am excited for the new, uh, new PlayStation, especially if it's backwards compatible. Well, I can see that being the case, but they may not do that for every game. At first, they might just slowly integrate it the same way they did on Xbox 360. So who knows yeah. what's going to happen? Well, that's okay. I mean, I'll, I'll wait. I, it's gone this long without playing them, so waiting a little bit longer won't bother me. But just having that option at some point would be would be really, uh, really nice. I actually have a question for you. Oh, shoot. Okay, so, and because it's something that I was thinking about, um, and I just wanted to get your take on it. Are there any games that you play, and I'm, maybe more current consoles, but I, I mean, I guess that doesn't matter, but that you play that you, and you really, really enjoy, like just top to bottom, front to back, played it through multiple times, just love it to pieces, but never got the love that it should have gotten, like, commercially or from the general public? Is there a game that you're just like, why isn't anybody playing this? Well, I, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I haven't actually played almost all of my games all the way through, but the one that I've gotten really far in is, is it's, uh, Shakedown Hawaii. It's this game similar to Grand Theft Auto, but it's on a toned-down level. You basically go around harassing all the people and businesses because your business isn't doing well, so you're basically beating them up to get their money, and it's, oh, God, it's just so stupid... <laughs> So it's so it's a softer like a like a PG thirteen or like me like a soft R version of GTA. Yeah, you basically Without go beating up sex workers. No, no, you don't beat up sex workers. You can still beat people up, but you're gonna get chased by the cops. <laughs> okay, I might actually like that one. <laughs> I might actually like that one because GTA is just too much. It's just too much for me. I realize it's fantasy, but it is just too much. I'm one of those guys that when you have a choice in a game between making yourself a good guy or bad guy, I always go good guy. Always. I don't know. It depends on my mood. Sometimes I'll choose the good guy, but then if I play the good guy too many times and I get so used to it, I'm saying, uh, you know, I want to try the other side of this and see what happens. I, I, but I just feel guilty. I feel guilty. I play I play uh, a Star Wars game and I decide to go dark side and I'm like choking people out. And I'm like, I mean, this is a cool power, I guess, and all, but... I don't want to be mean to these people, and I, you know, I just I, I played Fable. It's like you can go dark side. I'm like I don't want to. I don't want to burn villages down. I don't want to kill people's chickens. I don't want to do this. It's not. It just. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit right with me. So I go good almost every time I play. Okay. And now I've also played a lot of Mario Kart. Now you've. you've I'm guessing you've played at least something Mario Kart related. Oh, a little. Not. Not a ton. Um, but I, I have played um, a few uh, a few different versions of it. I mean, they're all kind of the same. But yeah, I've I've played Mario Kart, and it's fun. It, for me, it can get a little disorienting just from the speed of it. Uh, typically, racing games don't sit real well with me just because of the motion, um, and it, it can get really just like the same reason I don't like uh, roller coasters because everything goes by so fast. It's hard for me to kind of keep my bearings. Oh God! But, uh, no, I've, I've I've played some Mario Kart. 
here's the thing about me and roller coasters. We have a love hate relationship. I just, I, 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 I've been on roller coasters and I love that one after I get off of it. Okay. I'm good. I'm back on solid ground again, but I hate what's going on during that time because I'm always feeling, Oh my God, I'm going to sick or something. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's not fun for me because it's, I'm, I'm like distracted. I'm, it's like sensory overload. All right, left, right, up, down, upside down, loop the loop. Okay, we're going in the dark. Now we're in the light. Now we're underwater. Now, okay, and then you're done. It's like I don't even know what really just happened to me. Okay. That's where I just, I don't really have the enjoyment. This is like just why I'm disoriented. No, I know you said you don't have a lot of games on your PC. I'm going to loop around to this one, pun intended. Yes. Um, I was going to say, uh, a roller, roller coaster tycoon. Did you ever I try that? I were going to say that. As soon as you said pun intended, I knew that's what you so, so what about Roller Coaster Tycoon? I've never played it. Did you ever have a chance to at least someone at you know one of your friends or cousins or somebody have that at their house and you just kind of watch them play it or? The closest thing I, I no I don't think I've ever had any real exposure to it other than like seeing videos of it online just kind of in passing. Uh, I I remember doing Sim City and some of the things you know similar to that The Sims of course, but. Roller Coaster Tycoon was never a game that that I actually tried. Am I missing something? No, no. I've just seen a lot of people recreate rides in Roller Coaster Tycoon from real life. So they've recreated the roller oh. coasters that they have in real life on that game, and their the creations are just spot on. It's crazy how much time these people have on their hands. I mean, it's wonderful to see it, but at the same time, you're thinking, oh, God, get a life. <laughs> that sort of uh, patience I the closest thing was when I played Sims and uh, we would download mods and all sort of like skins and stuff to put on it and we recreated the uh, the cabin from the original Evil Dead and downloaded a, a skin for Ash with his chainsaw arm and downloaded a zombie that lived in the basement and lifted up a little trap door it was ridiculous those are the times where I was just like I would put in the same amounts of detail just to make it look like the thing. But, um, yeah, for people that like in Minecraft, they're like, look, I made the Mona Lisa. And it's like, okay, I could never, never, never put in that time and effort for that. No, um, it's funny you say about The Sims. I remember when the original Sims came out, my cousin, oh God, she was just, she was maniacal. She was actually making an entire Sims house where she was starving all of her Sims and all of them were dying on her. And I just stood there and I looked at her and she started to laugh. And I said, okay, she's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the big thing in The Sims. It's like fun, creative ways of killing people. And like, you know, I get it, but I don't get it. And it's funny for a second and then it's more worrisome. I accidentally okay, said you my... Do you. I accidentally set my kitchen on fire the one time because I forgot to feed the guy. I said, okay, go eat something. And the next thing I know, the kitchen's on fire. And I said, oh, what just happened? Yeah, it's it, 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 you have to learn how to use a stove, okay? I appreciate that, but I don't think I've ever started a kitchen fire. Even in my earliest days when I was a latchkey kid and cooking for myself, I never started a fire on the stove. So I, I would think that a, a grown person in the Sims game would be able to handle that, especially when they're boiling noodles. But, you know, whatever. Okay. Gotta make the game interesting. Okay, now, um, 
with, with all that being said, have you started your YouTube channel? And when have you decided to, if you are going to? Uh, yes, I am. And it's getting closer to happening uh, only because I want to be able to record these in my uh, spare bedroom, which is actually my comic book room. And I'm, uh, when I get it all done, I want to get it set up so that I can actually film in there so that I can actually show books, um, kind of like a, a bird's eye view looking down at them as opposed to um, just holding my phone. I want to have the proper setup, but I need to get all my stuff put away first. That's actually coming along really well. Uh, like I said, uh, I'm about halfway through. So when that's done, then it's going to be trying to figure out how can I go about getting this set up. I already know what I want to do. I know that I'm going to be focusing on small press and doing reviews of small press books that I found in cheap bins and you know things to keep an eye out for. Not from a money standpoint, but strictly from an entertainment standpoint. There's plenty of people out there talking about finding keys. You know, like you say, finding the, the treasure in the trash. Plenty of people doing that. I don't want to tread in those waters because I think they, they'll probably do it much better than me. I'm strictly looking at it from, hey, you know what? You've probably passed on this book 50 times. You've seen it and you haven't read it. You might want to pick one up. It's actually pretty good. Well, as you, as you say in life, to each their own, it's not a sure. matter of what you're going to like because everybody else does and you're just going to follow the flock or you're just going to do your own thing and say, okay, I can read my own books. I don't have to follow what everybody else is. Same thing with video games. You can do that with everything that you enjoy and not what everybody else tells you you have to. Oh, absolutely. There's plenty of games that I that I played, plenty of books that I've read that people are like, really? Seriously? I'm like, yeah, really, seriously. It entertains me. And that, at the end of the day, is what matters. Are you entertained? And if you are, then it's good. It's so subjective. Um, it's so personal. But yeah, and that's why... I want to kind of talk about, and more people are doing it now, where they're talking about those those books they're finding in the cheap bins, and you know, people talk about outlaw comics and stuff like that. I, I probably won't come at it from that angle, but just stuff that you could tell people cared about when they tried to make this work, and it only lasted two months, and the company went under because there was no money. Um, that's 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 the kind of stuff that I want to say. You know, they tried. And they and they and they really tried hard, and you can tell because look at this, look at this work you did. So that's 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 where I want to go. Okay, well, when you have your YouTube channel up and running, I will be more than happy to plug it for you, and I will also keep an eye out. Send me a, send me a little uh, notation of some sort to give me a heads up on that, and I'll subscribe to your channel. And Absolutely. I will and I will definitely see you around on IG. Thank you so much for doing this. As always, this is Creases and Corners. I have a second account now on IG, which I will be posting little snippets from here on out of every episode, just to give you a little preview of what to expect. And you can follow that account as well as me, Daniel Bracken 32 on the same platform. I am this, I'm the same person running both accounts. So don't worry about it. If you get a friend request from one or the other, it's the same person. Don't be freaked out by it. Okay. And we're good to go. I will see you around. And until next time, I will see you on the mic.